welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. Today I'm joined by Marquise Appling of PhantomSportsIndustries.com. Marquise is our beat writer for the Cleveland Browns. Marquise, I'm so excited to have you here, man. We were just talking. I don't have enough AFC North content happening until you got here uh, with Phantom. And you're pumping out the content, man. I just went back through and and reread some of your articles. (laughs) And man, you are crushing it. Uh, I'm so excited to have you in here. Even if it's the Browns, you know, whatever, it's fine. No, I'm just playing. But you do a great job covering the team. I, I really like the analysis you bring. I, I, guys, make sure if you're interested in the AFC North at all, NFL at all, go on to Phantom Sports, read Marquise's stuff, because both the, the newsworthy things, right, so the things that are kind of almost like a press release, like you're responding to, right, the, the news stuff, you get out like a news thing, the things that are more like story-based, you get those out in a different way. I like the different feels you have to your pieces, man, so Really appreciate reading your stuff. Really appreciate you being here to talk uh, AFC North. Thank you. Thank uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I just always wanted to bring a different perspective, you know, because we listen to the national media pundits and it's kind of the same thing. So you can, whether you watch one uh, station or another, it's kind of somewhat of the same thing. So I've always wanted to bring a different point of view and actually talk about the thing that's not being talked about, if that right, makes sense. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, we like to get into the nitty gritty, whether I, I joked Marquise a minute ago, whether we're talking about the fourth inside linebacker on the team, whether we're talking about the futures contract offensive lineman that, that's trying to make the squad. Um, and Marquise is going to help me get through all of those uh, with, with the Cleveland Browns, especially, of course, right here at the top and, and then the AFC North as a whole. So we're continuing our tour of the divisions of the NFL talking about the uh, off-season moves that each team has made um, and we're gonna start here for the AFC North with the Cleveland Browns. Marquise, you ready my man? Yes, I am ready. Fantastic. All right, well let's get let's get started with what we like to do where where did we leave off last season? So the Browns were eight and nine. They missed the playoffs. Biggest story was obviously Baker Mayfield dealing with the shoulder injury for what felt like the entirety of the season. Um, the defensive line I'd say was kind of like the second piece that not a lot of people were talking about when it came to the interior, right? Because obviously Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett did their things on the end. But, and I really know this just because the Steelers had their best run games going against the Browns because the middle of the defensive line, they were able to attack a little bit. But all in all, this roster is very well put together. And I think they've addressed those needs that, that we'll talk about later. Um, but how good did you find this team to be last year and if Baker Mayfield had been healthy maybe not even ceiling Baker that we saw a couple years ago but just like average run of the line Baker Mayfield if he had been healthy and going how good was this team last year and what do you think they could have done uh, I, I think they were pretty good because based off of the first game of the season last year against Kansas City where we saw I was watching the game. It was a 4 p.m. game, and it kind of seemed like they was almost having their way with Kansas City's defense. So I, I think if Baker had been fully healthy with the run game uh, intact, with uh, we had a lot of uh, hopes for OBJ coming back. So we just felt like if all of if everything would have came together at the right time without the injury for Baker, then I think they could have been very special. Like a lot of teams were thinking. Uh, the Browns could have repeated and gone to play Kansas City in the AFC Championship. I remember watching a few channels and they thought based off of, they like to do early season power rankings and mm-hmm. 
after the first game against the Chiefs, the Browns were in a lot of teams' uh, top five power rankings based off of just that one game and how the defense performed uh, weeks following. So I think if he would have been fully healthy, I think they could have went deep into the playoffs. They were eight and nine, which is, that's not a 500 record, but literally if you have just one play go your way, you're nine and eight. Uh, I think if we somehow pull off that win against the Raiders, where Mm -hmm. the entire team was depleted from COVID, I think that they probably could have snuck into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they were competing right down to the very end. And again, even considering how bad that Baker injury was in terms of how you could see how much it hindered him. Is Baker a top five quarterback? No, but he's he's good enough to get a really well-built team to the playoffs. He's proven that. That was what everybody definitely expected last year, like you said. And at least the good news is a lot of those pieces that are still really well put together are still well put together. The defensive backfield is just money. Um, yeah. The offensive line is fantastic. The running game is fantastic. Uh, so, and I think they've addressed even the defensive line. And obviously, you know, we'll get into the quarterback situation here in a bit. Um, but again, a really well put together group. So I'm right with you there. They, they could have been true competitors, I think, in the playoffs had Baker been healthy. Yep. Um, let's get into our ins and outs for, for free agency and a little bit in the trade market here. Um, so gone from last year's team are center J.C. Treader, tight end Austin Hooper, wide receivers Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins, uh, and then Malik Jackson and Troy Hill. Um, in, we obviously have quarterback Deshaun Watson, uh, interior offensive lineman Ethan Posich, and wide receiver Amari Cooper. Um, so, so those are the we'll, – we'll get into – with J.C. Treader, like who's actually going mm-hmm. to play center, but Postich is coming in kind of as a veteran presence who is going to be competing for a spot, but I don't think it's going to be him, but we'll get into that. Before we get into Deshaun Watson, let's talk about some of those other players around the periphery. Like I said, we like to talk about like some of the random guys in here. Um, Richard Higgins is a name that if you're a fan of the AFC North, you know, but played 40% of the snaps last year. He might not be a guy if you're watching the national media or you're a fan of an NFC team, you might not be as familiar with. Can you talk a little bit about what he and maybe a guy like Troy Hill, guys that were rotational players for this team, what they brought and maybe what they're going to bring to their new teams that, that they're going to? Yeah, so somebody like Richard Higgins, if the trade for uh, Baker Mayfield happens with Carolina, uh, he, he was uh, Baker's favorite target uh, his rookie year. He kind of came out of nowhere. He's more of a possession receiver. He has a little bit of speed, not top notch speed. He can uh, gain and get separation. He's very crafty, kind of like a uh, Jarvis Landry was. He runs a lot of uh, over-the-middle routes, some uh, timing stuff, stuff where he can use his body, uh, figure out spacing, see what the defense is doing, get behind a linebacker, and not quite veer off deep enough where a safety can pick him up but get behind a linebacker and then make a few people miss. He's that type of player. Uh, he has good hands. It was, I want to say, in the 2020 season where the Browns played the Bengals, and it pretty much turned into a shootout. It was a few – it was one throw that Baker Mayfield made to Rashard Higgins that he made. It was really a spectacular catch right on the sideline where he went up with two hands and he brought it down, and then that led to a touchdown in the end zone to Donovan Peoples-Jones. So uh, he's a possession receiver. He's pretty good. I would say he's probably – his uh, ceiling is probably number two wide receiver. Right now, he can play like your slot. He can be your third rotation or receiver. And you won't really get any drop-off from uh, if, you let's say, your number two wide receiver has to miss time due to injury. He can step in, 
he can catch the ball on the third down and uh, really not miss a beat. And then someone like Troy Hill to uh, compare to the Steelers, he's more, he played the role for the Browns, kind of how Joe Hayden played. And then kind of how uh, I'm forgetting your other slot corners name that went to Cincinnati last year. Mike Hilton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mike Hilton. Exactly. Mike Hilton. He uh, plays a lot of slot. Uh, I wouldn't say the best cover corner, the best Mm -hmm. cover corner that you have on your team, but he's very, very deadly coming off the edge. So Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, liked to use him a lot last year, coming off the edge and blitz packages. So at about uh, second and long, third and long, when the offense is off rhythm, he will uh, send him on a blitz. And again, it was Cincinnati where he had about two sacks where he came off the edge of the uh, defense, pretty much just sneak in and um, got a sack. So we, we the Browns didn't use him a lot in coverage. They used him more for run defense and then uh, help with the pass rush, just in case if somebody's doubling Clowney and Miles Garrett. So uh, I'm, we're going to get to this later, but we drafted uh, Martin Emerson in the third round to pretty much mm-hmm. replace what it is that he did. So for future teams, I, uh, Troy Hill went back to the Rams, so and he was already there. He signed with the Browns from uh, the Rams last offseason, so they pretty much know what he what he is. But he's a veteran presence on a uh, top level defense. He's like that extra piece that you added, kind of like that uh, specialty piece. So you have your Jalen Ramsey, your uh, top corner. You have your linebackers, your defensive line, and then he's just somebody as a extra uh, benefit, extra help. Like I said, just to come off the edge and you can blitz him. And then you can even play him a little bit in uh, some zone coverage and you won't be missing a lot there either. Yeah, if you if you want to find a, a cornerback that can blitz and, and get to the quarterback like they're a linebacker, just go to the AFC North, find the third or fourth yeah. guy on the depth chart and you're going to find someone that's that should have been a linebacker, but they just ended up being like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 200 pounds, yep. 190 pounds, something like that. Yep. Um uh, I love it. That just got me super pumped again. Um, all right, got to calm down though, because I'm gonna get we're we're getting into the weeds, and I love it. Um, let's we're gonna get more in the weeds. What am I talking about? Let's talk about center. So J.C. Treader, um, veteran center, he was released by the team. Um, it seems like so obviously, like we mentioned, they brought in Ethan Postage from from the Seattle Seahawks, but it seems like Nick Harris, uh, the young guy on the team, is the big reason they wanted to move on from Treader. It seems like it's he's kind of the, the the leader in the clubhouse in terms of getting that center position. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about the decision to, to move on from Treader, why they might have done it, why they were ready to go with Harris? And then, you know, do the fans care? Uh, and, you know, are they excited about Harris? Like, what, what do they think about it? So the the decision was more of because of the money aspect of it, you know, J.C. Mm-hmm. Treader has uh, been one of the best offensive linemen in the game for a very long time. Uh, Nick Harris was one of the first draft picks that Andrew Berry had when he came back to the Browns as the general manager, and he had complete autonomy to make his pick. So he was drafted, Nick Harris was drafted in the third round, and his uh, rookie year, they let him, uh, he got on the field a little bit to play a little bit of guard. He was obviously out of position playing guard, so he kind of got outmatched. So, and a lot of fans that saw that, they, it was a, again, another COVID riddled game where the Browns played the Jets and he had to play guard and he put up the worst passer rating according to a pro football focus that any guard has put up all season. So we were kind of skeptical about it. Uh, why would we want to put him there? He's kind of over 
uh, over Master. Then last season, they pretty much stuck him at center. And then with J.C. Treader, he didn't get much playing time, but he was also able to learn. He, uh, from what I'm hearing, he's put on a lot of, he's lost weight, but put on muscle. So he's definitely getting in better shape in order to be able to play center and be the starting center. And for J.C. Treader, it was just, it was more of a money thing. He was making a lot of money and I, there was rumblings about it because everybody else on the offensive line got a new deal last year. It was uh, in one week where Jay, uh, not J.C. Treader, but Joe Batonio got a new deal. Then the next day, Wyatt Teller got a new deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2020, the offseason brought in uh, Jack Conklin, drafted uh, Jedrick Wills uh, the year before in the draft. So when J.C. Treader, when we knew his contract was, he only had one year left on his contract, we, it was worth about $9 million. There was rumblings. It could be a potential uh, salary dump, kind of like a Jarvis Landry, like a OBJ thing. So it was more of a money thing. And from my perspective, not a lot of people, like you said, not a lot of people care about the starting center position, but he and him and Joe Batonio have been like mainstays on the offensive line and they don't miss games They're If they're injured, they come right back. It was, I don't, I don't know exactly how many snaps in a row they play, but again, they don't get injured and they don't uh, miss games. So it, for me, I was kind of a, a little bummed about it, but you know, you have these uh, draftees, you can, really draft offensive linemen every year won't miss a beat you can draft offensive linemen like it's going out of style and you will be okay because you have plenty of room for offensive linemen always on the team so man you are you are speaking my language today we got blitzing nickel <laughs> corners and we've got just draft offensive linemen every year my gosh you yeah uh, i'm with you that makes a lot of sense you you have to allocate a certain investment into each position group and whether that's draft or financial They've clearly put a lot into the offensive line. At some point, something has to give. They put a third-round pick into the position just a couple years ago. They feel he's ready to get on the field. It it definitely makes sense. Um, That's a really good point you made about, like, getting the size right, right, like finding the right weight and finding the right strength because play offensive line, the AFC North, you need that right amount because it's not the same as playing, and you know, for the Rams or for the Vikings. No, it's going to be some power blocking schemes. It's going to be some big boy football. uh, and it's going to be cold weather, too. It's going to be cold weather. My guy, Kendra Green, uh, learned that the hard way last year. Uh, <laughs> he probably will not be playing center much for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Um, but, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we we did the nerd stuff. We got into the weeds. I had a lot of fun. Let's talk about the big names. So let's start with Amari Cooper. Um, okay. Obviously, you know, Jarvis Landry is the big wide receiver name on the way out. Amari Cooper's guy on the way in. Different players for sure, but in terms of being the high-profile guy that – from ending of the team last year, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. left during the season. But how excited is Cleveland right now for for Amari Cooper? I mean, I felt like the OBJ, Jarvis Landry, even the Austin Hooper time, right? Like those guys, when they all kind of came in and, you know, 2016 to 2018 range, everyone was really hyped and excited about this skill players. Like you said, never quite got it all together all at the same time. But now, you know, even though those guys are on their way out, here comes Amari Cooper, who is still one of the best wide receivers in the league. What is he going to bring to Cleveland? And again, you know, the excitement level, what, are, what is everybody feeling about that? Everybody's truly excited. Uh, he's truly excited about the uh, drafting of Amari Cooper and the fact that they drafted him and gave up pretty much nothing from the uh, Brown. Andrew Berry gave up a fifth round pick. And then the big concern was his contract because he was all like 20 million. But then... 
within a week of him getting here, they were able to uh, change his contract around so that it could fit under the salary cap and uh, just fit better with the team. So it's pure excitement about Omari Cooper because he's an all-around player, really is an all-around player. He has the speed. Um, The thing that we lacked when OBJ went down was the speed. So we can go, again, we can go back to the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs playoff. You had starting wide receivers of Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins. They're both similar players. They don't have a lot of speed uh, and they're possession receivers. So as far as becoming predictable, you become super predictable when you have two of your best players who you know aren't going to get downfield too often. You're just going to pretty much dink and duck your way downfield and hopefully hopefully at some point something will break. So um, last year we kind of expanded the role of Donovan Peoples-Jones. So the, the belief is that Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, they're kind of similar. They both have top-end speed. They're bigger receivers. They're not just possession receivers. Um, the, the hope is that they can be the one-two punch. And with Amari Cooper, what you really get is the fact that uh, he has the hands, he's a great route runner, and he shows up. He shows up. He's Again, he's another guy like uh, Nick Chubb. Doesn't do a lot of talking. He doesn't get injured a lot. He just shows up and he plays. I know a, a lot of Cowboys fans didn't really like him because the uh, knock on him was that he will have one monster game, and then for two games, he would be kind of subpar. He would have like 45, 45 yards, 50 yards, or something like that. But hopefully with uh, – but the thing that they're not going to say is I don't know if Dak is maybe the best QB. I'm a fan of Dak. I will uh-huh. put him in uh-huh. the top 15. QB is just I don't know that he would always be able to get him the ball. The offensive uh, offensive skill set and offensive scheme that the Cowboys have, one week it looks great, and then the next week it's like, what are you guys doing? And yep. you also had CeeDee Lamb. You also had your uh, other receiver down in exactly. Dallas that tours ACL. Yep. So Gallup. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited for what Amari Cooper can show. I believe that he will be more of Oakland Amari Cooper than what he was in Dallas. He was still great in Dallas. He got the uh, new contract. But I think he's going to be more of what uh, more of Oakland than just Dallas. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think another thing with Dallas is it'd be really interesting to do a study. Sorry to go uh, Dallas Cowboys, you know, fan club over here. Um, but it'd be really interesting to see those games that he would go off and then you would go quiet for a game or two. Be really cool to look at C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup's stat lines those next couple of games, because you almost wonder is the defense adjusting to Amari and then opening up for those guys. Whereas in Cleveland, he's going to be the number one guy, but you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, you have a guy like Anthony Schwartz who are going to spread the field and still make it open that you can't just focus on him because otherwise, like you said, Donovan is going to go 80 yards or Anthony Schwartz is going to get an end around that that you're not ready for if you've got two or three guys looking at Amari. So it'll be an interesting dynamic, again, exactly like you said with Oakland where he was clearly the number one guy, but they had some pieces to move around him. I think that'll be really interesting. Let's get let's get to Deshaun Watson. Uh, we're we're gonna do a quick thing here at the top where I'm gonna say, obviously we understand anything that's happening off the field in terms of the sexual misconduct allegations, that that supersedes football. We know that, right? And uh-huh. if you want a big in depth conversation about you know Marquise uh, talking about it, you go on go on phantomsportsindustries.com. He's been covering that um, for months now. He did a great video with, with Ben Parker on our YouTube channel. Um, we're just going to start and say, 
we we're, we talk football. That's what we do. That's that's our jobs. That's what we love to do. That's what we're going to focus on today. It's it's not nearly as important as things going on off the field for anybody in, in any way and anything that's going on. So um, the the most recent thing in terms of the uh, the the allegations for Watson is twenty of the twenty four um, civil lawsuits have been settled. Um, so now we're just kind of waiting to see what the NFL decides in terms of the suspension. Again, Marquise did a great piece on, you know, where the NFLPA is with that, where the league is at with that. Um, we're just waiting to find out. So, so as more news comes down, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out, but we are going to talk about football. So let's, let's get to that. Um, I want to know in terms of when he was traded to the Browns, it it all happened very quickly, right? It was the, Mm -hmm. uh, Hey Baker, we're we're gonna think about upgrading, and then hey Baker, no, we want you to be the guy, but if something comes along, we might take it, and then it's, oh, we're meeting with Deshaun Watson, and oh, now he's our quarterback. So it all progressed very very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. What were fans thinking during that time, and even taking into account the the allegations and whatnot? Like, were fans excited for that? Did they maybe not want to get involved with it, or is everyone kind of just you know? Playing it, playing it by ear. Hey, we'll be excited if everything works out football-wise. If not, we'll deal with it that way. So, so I think it's everything that you just mentioned. There are some fans that were super excited. I myself was excited for the trade to happen. I was literally disappointed the uh, Thursday before it happened. Where now I'm trying to convince myself trading for somebody like uh, <laughs> Jordan Love could possibly be the uh, next QB. Because right, right. the one thing that we did know is that Baker wasn't coming back. So you have fans that were excited. You had fans that are kind of torn. They're like, I want to be excited, but I'm not sure just because right. of the allegations. Then you have people that are completely off the bandwagon. They want nothing to do with it. They're just completely upset. And they're like, how could my favorite team want to do this? I'm going to go root for somebody else. So, so it's been a lot of – it's been – all types. It's been everything. Literally, it's been everything from all from different fans. And it really just depends on who it is that you talk to and their perspective and their point of view on the situation. But for me, for uh, the people that I've been around, they're excited because he's a major upgrade, major upgrade over what Baker Mayfield brings. Like we were saying, we were just hoping that maybe Baker Mayfield can uh, just be good enough, just be okay enough where you can right. maybe sneak into the playoffs and get a deep run because if you get in who knows what happens now with uh, Deshaun Watson there's we're we're talking Super Bowls like nobody people Mm -hmm. that are excited they just want the suspension whatever it is they just want it to be over so that we can now get past this and then get to a Super Bowl right right yeah all that makes a lot of sense I think however anybody reacts like is fair enough right however way you're going to react I I think is definitely just fine and I'm with you Baker is a quarterback you won't you you hope just to not lose because of a Baker if Deshaun Watson's on the field that's a guy that can win games and and we saw that based on yeah rosters they were trying out there in Houston for those years and he was winning games and going to the playoffs that way so that definitely makes a lot of sense that difference there let's head to the draft I'm really interested to see what you feel uh, I was very deep in the draft. Listeners to this podcast know, uh, and I was pretty harsh on a lot of teams coming out. I just looked back at my grades, um, and I feel like I might have been a little harsh on Cleveland, especially hearing from your perspective. So, so maybe talk talk me into this draft a little bit more. I gave them a C in, in my draft grades for them. I think part of that was 
you know, not picking till the third round is tough. Mm -hmm. Um, I was surprised they went corner first. Now it's not because of the player Martin Emerson, who you mentioned is a player I liked. I thought they got him in a good spot. And it was more just the fact that they're, they have some great defensive backs. I mean, they had just, uh, I forget the timing now it's been so long, but Denzel Ward got locked up this summer. Right. So he he's in for a long-term deal. Um, they just drafted Greg Newsom last year, uh, who I believe was the first round pick right at the end, if not in the second round, a very good player yeah. a guy that I really liked in the draft last year. So it just felt like it was already a really strong group. Um, they've already invested a lot in it. Like we talked about with the offensive line and then their first pick when they don't get one until the third round, they go corner. What, what did you think of that? Did you like the decision to go corner? Uh, do you like the player? Where do you think he fits with the rest of the, the unit there? So, like like we uh, like I said earlier, Martin Emerson was pretty much drafted to fill in the potentially the slot role mm-hmm. that Troy Hill was, and then if not him, then they can move Greg Newsom in because, like you said, we do have a litany of DBs that are pretty good. I personally like the uh, rotation, the starting lineup of Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. Then you can have Greg Newsom in a slot, and you could bring in Martin Emerson yeah. for uh, certain packages because. Uh, also, which uh, isn't talked about a lot, is we also have a pretty pretty good three uh, safeties. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. uh, John Johnson III, uh, Grant Delpit, who technically his rookie season was last year after tearing his Achilles, mm-hmm. and then Ronnie Harrison, who may be added for just a depth piece, but who then plays kind of the role of like a linebacker. And then yep. the best thing about this is all of our DBs are very much so interchangeable. And they, like you said, line uh, DBs that play like linebackers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that they wanted to focus on in the draft is Martin Emerson. He's a taller guy. He's very uh, shifty. Yep. He's uh, he's lanky. And, and again, he can play man coverage, which seems like Joe Woods, defensive coordinator, wants to do more of going into the season. He wants to be able okay. to play man coverage, wants yep. to D-line between Jadamian Clowney and Miles Garrett to be able to uh, – have free reign to get after the quarterback. And then also, they're not afraid to come up and hit. They're going to play in a run game. Like you said, the uh, playing against uh, you guys, playing against the uh, Ravens, mm-hmm. the, they were really they really love to run the ball, and you have to have your little guys, your DBs, have to be able to come up and want to get a little physical, get a little dirty, and make some tackles. So um, as far as the draft, I yeah, to me it's kind of like, for years the browns the brown super bowl was the draft and now we're kind of in a weird place where it's like all right we have all of these draft picks um let's just put it together at this point i i would say from maybe from maybe filling in maybe a few pieces here or there the draft at this point now for the browns is just depth it's really just depth i obviously have some of my favorite players i i was kind of kind of taken back by the picking of a cornerback in the third round, just like I was mm-hmm. taken back by how we traded out of the second round. I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily like that because I felt we could have got a wide receiver that can definitely help us, that can add some more speed to mm-hmm. to the team. Because when you look at it, everybody's just playing backyard football now. When right. you look at the Chiefs, when you look at the Bucks, look at what the uh, Bengals did, even the uh, Steelers, mm-hmm. you guys' wide receiver core, it's pretty good. I'm highly upset that you got George Pickens. I was, <laughs> Everybody I was hoping, is, man. I love it. Everybody is. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping that you could get a combination of George Pickens, maybe Jamison Williams. Um, I also like David Bell, so we got David Bell. But as far as the draft, 
it was kind of just kind of like uh, it was just kind of one thing that happened. Let's see if maybe we can get some quality starters out of it. Which uh, the one player I was solely excited about was getting pairing out Winfrey. I think he fell. I think he might be the uh, still of the draft. And, and in my opinion, last few drafts, I feel like the Browns have got players that are stills of the draft. So a few years ago, you got Grant Delpit. You got Greedy Williams in the second round one year in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2020, you got Grant Delpit in the second round. Uh, 2021, we got JOK, who fell to the second round as well. Mm-hmm. And then I mm-hmm. think Perrion Winfrey, who might have been one of the top three to five defensive tackles in this draft that we got, were able to get in the fourth round. And I have to move up to get him, stay exactly where we were at, and we're still able to get him. So wasn't really super excited about the draft just because for past years, this it was, it was the Brown Super Bowl. And this year now it's kind of, it's kind of boring. It's who are, who are these guys? We're just kind of adding for depth and maybe they'll make the team. Maybe not. Yeah. All fantastic points on the draft there. Uh, I, I definitely get it moving the chess piece around and, and yeah, at the same time, while I, I ding them a little bit and any team that doesn't pick in the first two rounds, that doesn't mean then you just in the third round say, well, we're just going to like, take a quarterback right and like swing for the fence no like third round is third round so it's it's depth you want the guy to rotate in so who was the best player to do that it happened to be emerson for them i think um but i really like what they did on the defensive line i'm with you perry on winfrey i thought was a guy that would have been a second round pick easy and there mm-hmm. was one point in the off season where i was even looking at him like could the steelers just like say screw the draft boards and take this guy with the 20th pick and because you know they need defensive line help is it in like power five conference he's a guy that's played a lot of big time games so like i would not have been surprised if any team had taken him in the first round so i thought that was great for what they needed also alex bright uh is a defensive lineman that they got in the third round um Mm -hmm. so they addressed that defensive line position really really well um did, did you feel that defensive line was kind of on their radar was it on the Browns fans radar for for things that needed to be addressed and then what do you I mean obviously it sounds like you like those two picks yeah I I I do think it was on their radar just because uh again going back to the running game in the middle teams would run up the middle on us they couldn't really get to the edge but they would run up the middle just because we were a little uh weaker there so I definitely that's one of the main things that we talked about uh in the offseason it was three major positions. It was defensive, interior defensive line, uh, wide receiver, what are we going to do with the receivers that we already have? And if we move on from them because of money, who are we going to bring in to replace them? And then third, and the most important, obviously, was the quarterback. So uh, it was definitely on their radar. And it's been, in my opinion, from my perspective and from other fans' perspectives, just uh, talking to other people and then being on Twitter I don't know if you uh, Steelers do it, but uh, we have a lot of Browns Twitter. So during the game, we would retweet a uh, certain tweet and then other people follow each other, follow each other. And we would just uh, mm-hmm. find ways to talk about uh, talk about the game like that. So just being in a lot of those groups, we talked a lot about the interior defensive line. And I think it's been an issue ever since uh, the Browns released Sheldon Richardson a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. They we drafted Jordan Elliott, had some other bodies, so thought kind of thought that they would be able to come in and fill in. And early on last year, we had uh Malcolm Malik McDowell and then uh the other Malik, the two Maliks, and it was okay for a little bit, 
but then later on throughout the season, it kind of just kind of started to wither away. So I think when we uh, brought in, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Taven Bryant from Jacksonville, he's a he's a rotational guy. And then you draft Perrion Winfrey, he's another guy. And then you uh, ask some of the other people that we've already had from past drafts, like Tommy Togiai, Jordan Elliott, uh, Sheldon Day. So I think they've drafted and brought in a lot of free agency uh, players to throw a lot of bodies at that position. So I don't think it's going to be – at some point, I think Perrion Winfrey may be the mainstay. But right now, I think they're taking the approach of let's just throw a combination of a bunch of guys and hopefully something will fit and somebody will stick. And from what it sounded like, everybody's hoping that it's going to be Perrion Winfrey. He's just a – he's an athletic freak. I've – I remember I was watching one college football game and I was more so watching uh, Oklahoma for uh, Spencer Ratley. I just wanted to see what the mm-hmm. hype was about him. But then Perry on Winfrey jumped off the screen and he was just murdering defensive line, offensive linemen, murdering running backs, murdering the quarterback. So I was like, oh, really need to keep an eye on this guy. And then just so happened that the Browns drafted him. So I think it was, it was on the radar. They got the, I think they got the guy that they wanted, even though they kind of waited a little bit. I think that was kind of a dangerous game to play. Right, not, right, right. How long they waited to get him, but I think they got him, and I think he's going to be around for a while. I think that's a good point, because even if they had, if in my head I want to try and finagle a way to give them maybe a slightly better, not that I want to give the Browns any credit, but let me do it to be fair. If I almost say, hey, they don't, let's say they don't trade back and they just took, Perry on Winfrey in the second round, I still would have said that's a home run pick. So I think that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. Uh, another quick hitters on the draft we don't have to go in depth on. Uh, you mentioned wide receiver. They take David Bell in the third round, highly productive player at Purdue. Obviously, the, the gripe on him is the athleticism numbers at the combine and stuff. Uh, people aren't sure how he's, his game is going to translate to the NFL. He had some pretty poor testing grades, but I think overall production was good. And you have some stellar athletes that we already talked about in the wide receiver room. So in terms of being a fourth receiver, you know, you don't love to take your fourth receiver in the third round, but they had multiple third round picks. So I think considering the, the production was there, that that's not a terrible risk, especially at the end of the round. And I, so I gave him, I think, a couple points on that. I did dock a couple points for uh, mm-hmm. just taking a kicker in the fourth round and then taking a, another running back when you already have so yeah. many good backs and, I mean, at that point, because they took that running back where in the sixth round, fifth round, something late like that. At that point, just take an undrafted guy, right? When, when it comes right. to the running back position, especially when Chubb and Hunter are just so freaking good. So that's kind of where Andy I ended Ernest up with Johnson. And Ernest Johnson. Right, right. When he came, <laughs> man, when he came out, I just rolled my eyes. I was like, yeah, of course, why not? Ch- Chubb and Hunt go down. Just throw another guy out there that's going to do everything. Why not? Let's go for it. Um, Real quick, it, maybe in a sense, what did you think about David Bell? Do you think he's going to overcome the athleticism issues? Do you think it's really going to come out as a wash just because there's already a, a good number of guys ahead of him on the depth chart? Um, Great pick. According to Kevin Stefanski, he said, and one of, uh, they have these TV shows that they produce up here in Cleveland, and they call it Building the Browns, and on one of the episodes, they showed the behind the scenes when the draftees came into the building mm-hmm. and when Kevin Stefanski talked to, uh, talked to David Bell face to face, it might've been for the camera. might not have been. He said, you were my favorite receiver out of this entire draft. So he got his favorite guy out of the entire draft. And I don't think that they're necessarily going to put him in a 
fourth receiver role. I think he's going to be more of a slot guy. So they're, they're pretty much loving him. And from what I've heard so far, as far as uh, mini camps and mandatory uh, OTAs and everything was, he hasn't dropped one football pass, has not dropped one uh, pass at all. So he's sure-handed. He's going to be able to overcome. And then just watching some of his highlights, he's another guy kind of like Jarvis Landry, um, but taller, very shifty, knows how to find the ball. He can... And he, he, in Purdue, he was throwing a lot of deep balls. So for a guy that didn't have the great speed for him to be able to go up and make contested catches, I think that's a a good thing. So they love him. I I don't know that he could be a number two receiver just because of the speed thing. (laughs) Uh, He may be a a humongous slot receiver. Right. right. And and we see those in the AFC North as well, right? Uh, Unfortunately, Juju Smith-Schuster kind of became that, you know, you see T Higgins, or not T Higgins, um, Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati. They find those roles, those slot guys, and maybe the rest of the league doesn't know how important that is. But in the AFC North, it's huge. How many big yeah. targets can you have over? The, I mean, the Browns know it. They they played three tight ends, big snaps last year. So if now one of those guys with Hooper gone, it's just David Bell being a slot receiver. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yep. Really good stuff on the Browns. Where are you at with this team? And you can even for your expectation, you can you can give a sliding scale. Let, let's say for Deshaun Watson, if he misses the whole season you actually had a great article that just went up a couple hours ago about uh jacoby Brissett and what it might look like if he's the starter this year uh you know where where are you on if let's say if deshaun watson suspended for the year if he's suspended maybe you know 10 games versus you know let's say six games or something like that how how good is this team what do you think they'll be depending on how much he plays or not um i think so, and uh, I'm currently working on, I think within the next week or so, next article I'm going to do is the off-season recap. And then one of the things we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about is uh, the suspension and how many games he was and what's the outlook of the Browns, depending on that. So if it's four, I think the, our first four games, I'm not going to say they can go undefeated because any fan will say, oh, our team will go undefeated. But realistically, some things don't go our way. Uh, and that's just for every fan base. So I think if he's suspended four, that's probably a miracle from God in the best the best case scenario out there. So I would I would say that they can they can definitely go somewhere between two and two to three and one. They could definitely be above five hundred. And then if he comes back, absolutely. If and we're just missing four games, I would pretty much consider that almost pretty much the entire season. So then I would say with him with him being there, I can see them going between ten to seven to 11 and six maybe even if everything gets going and they get rolling at the right place at the right time they can even go 12 and five let's go up to six if it's six not not ideal i think they can keep their head above water go about three and three and then you would only have about two to three games to play with as far as losses so then i would say if you miss a six let's say they can go anywhere from nine and eight to maybe 11 and six, something like that, a difference of uh, two games. And then if he misses the entire season, I think it's kind of a, it's really kind of a crapshoot to be completely honest. Uh, I know we have a talented roster around Jacoby Brissett, even though um, he's not necessarily probably a starter. I would consider him a friend starter and I would definitely most definitely consider him the best backup in the league that we have right mm-hmm. now. He's sat behind Tom Brady, so he knows the game. He mm-hmm. understands the knowledge, and he brings something to the uh, team that Baker Mayfield could not. He's 
not super athletic, but he can move. He can run out of the pocket. It, it was always a scary sight seeing Baker Mayfield get out of the pocket and run. That, Baker could run. You just didn't want him to get hit. <laughs> yes. Jacoby he could can run a little bit. Yeah, right. Jacoby can get hit. He's about a good – he's a good 6'5", oh 230. Yes, so, uh-huh. yeah, and he could see over the line. So, as far as the issues, not being, over, being able to see over the line, you don't have to worry about with him. Right. He can run a little bit. If it's a third and short, he can run. And if somebody tackles him, he's big enough where he can fall forward and get the first down. So the big, the, one of the main things that they wanted to do for the QB room this offseason was they remade it. So they wanted to remake it to fit what Deshaun Watson is able to do and then bring in players that can also do that as well. So the offense doesn't completely change from one quarterback to another. So last year you had Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield uh, can do one thing. Case Keenum did something completely different. So now you got Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, and bring in from the Steelers. Thank you very much, Josh Dobbs. I'm so mad. <laughs> my guy. I, I, I've been a fan of him since oh he came gosh. out of Tennessee. He's uh-huh. a rocket scientist. I can you not love him. <laughs> I, I love so, the guy, man. So they're all uh, they're they're tall yeah. enough. They're athletic enough. They can move. So I don't think we lose a lot. It's just the back end of the schedule gets kind of tough. And I don't know that you're going to be able to go head to head with your uh, Buffalo Bills, your Tampa Bay's, Cincinnati, uh, you guys, the Ravens. So I would say if he starts, if Jacoby Brissett starts the entire year and Deshaun uh, Watson is suspended for the entire season, I would say anywhere from eight to maybe seven to 10 wins. And it could really just be a crapshoot because I know we're going to lose games that we shouldn't, and we're going to win a game that we shouldn't win. So anywhere from that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, about the same as last year, and that's why it's so important to build out the rest of the team. 500 team essentially is what you're saying without Deshaun, whether that's the whole year, four games, six games, whatever. And then hopefully for every game, you know, that he plays, you hope you're uh, one or two extra games over that 500 mark, you know, for, for each installment of games that he gets to play. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's that's pretty in line, and we'll, we'll just see how that goes. Hopefully, um, for everybody's sake, you know, your sake as a fan and someone covering the team, fans, media, everybody, we just know one way or another pretty soon. But I, I'm pretty sure the NFL wants to figure something out before training camp, so stay tuned on that. Let's move along to the Pittsburgh Steelers because I feel like I was being too nice to the to the Cleveland Browns, and I, I can't do that for too long. I start getting itchy. Um, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We won't spend too long on these guys. Again, if you listen to this pod, you've heard me talk about the Steelers enough, um, but but we'll hit all the beats. So where did we leave off in 2021 uh, in the 22 season? 9-7-1, and one, made it to the playoffs, lost in the wild card round of the Chiefs. Definitely a tough year overall, really ugly. Uh, the offense was sputtering for the whole season yet again. Run defense was historically bad and not just like worst in the league, but like the worst Steelers run defense in team history, which is super depressing. Um but Ben found a way to, to get it done. That's that's what that quarterback kind of pedigree brings you. You, you watch, and it's never pretty. I'm not going to sit here and say he was actually a top-10 quarterback in the league last year. He definitely was not. But mm-hmm. with the defense being having the playmakers it had, with Najee Harris and, and Deontay Johnson being good enough weapons, Ben just found ways to win enough games to keep the team, from a record perspective, respectable. Now, watching the games was ugly. It was a heart attack. It was gross. But – Wins a win. Now, hopefully it, it gets a little bit turned around uh, from there. So the ins and outs of the roster are gone. Obviously, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger has retired. 
So is defensive lineman uh, Stephon Tuitt. So we have two retirements there for the team. Uh, gone in free agency, cornerback Joe Hayden, uh, linebacker Joe Schobert, wide receivers Juju Smith-Schuster, Ray Ray McLeod, and James Washington, uh, and then offensive guard Trey Turner as well. So that's a lot of names, a lot of starters that are on their way out. Um, in our offensive linemen, James Daniels and Mason Cole. Quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. We'll talk about Kenny Pickett later. Uh, corner, Levi Wallace. Linebacker, Miles Jack. Defensive back, Demonte Casey. Defensive lineman, Larry Ogunjobi, which just came down the pike, I think, last week. Um, obviously, like I said, a lot of names out. A lot of names coming in, though, as well. What did you think about the free agency period for the Steelers, you know, stemming all the way back to Mitch Trubisky, which was day one, to Larry Ogunjobi, which was, you know, just last week here at the end of June? Um, I... For the most part, I think it was kind of quiet, kind of mm -hmm. like every uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offseason is. Just kind of right. quiet. You guys like seem to uh, like to build through the draft. Yep. Um, there was a lot of rumors going around because originally there were rumors that the Steelers may be in trying mm -hmm. to trade for Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. And because uh, it, it made too much sense, the uh, early reports came out that Deshaun Watson wanted to play with Brian Flores. You guys mm -hmm. now hire Brian Flores. Mm -hmm. Big Ben retired. So in my mind, I'm like, great. If Deshaun Watson goes to the Steelers, <laughs> that's just the last thing that we need. Right. That, that, that's just the last thing that we need. So other than that, I think it's been, I think it's been pretty quiet. Uh, I was kind of shocked at the Mitch Trubisky signing. Didn't really think that they would sign him. I thought maybe for a fact, I knew that some way, somehow you guys were going to end up with Kenny Pickett. It's kind of seemed like the Steelers things to do. Um, but as a, the uh, Browns fan syndrome kicks in. You, you you look at it like, oh, they signed Mitch Trubisky. He's from Cleveland. He's going to be the starter. He's going to be the next uh, Big Ben that's going to just beat us for the next 20 years to come. Oh, uh, no, I didn't even think about that. Because <laughs> that's, just, that's just how it goes. <laughs> um, um, so they just kind of looked at it like that. But as far as the people that you lost, I kind of thought that – looked at Juju Smith-Schuster I was like hey he may be a good fit for the Browns just because mm -hmm. of what it is that he brings mm -hmm. been a fan of Miles Jack since he came out of uh oh yeah UCLA mm -hmm. where he played running back and linebackers yeah uh I like that obviously Browns drafted Larry Ogunjobi you guys got a great defensive uh, pass rusher there I don't know that he's gonna really help with your run game but he's gonna be able to get to the quarterback so as far as the free agency period I think it was a Steelers free agency. It was quiet. You picked up big uh, uh, pieces that are going to just work together and be able to contribute to the team. Nothing, no, nothing super splashy or big or anything in that way. It's funny you say it's not big for as a Steelers perspective. It was. Uh, I just listed eight names. We don't sign eight people in one free agency. That was great. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, is it like in terms of the flash standpoint? Right. Yeah, it's uh -huh. very quiet. You know, you get a guy like Miles Jack who's if you're really in the weeds, if you know football, you know this guy. Even if you're just mm -hmm. the person that plays Madden, right? You get on to Jacksonville and you're like, they have a guy that's rated in, in the 80s? What is it? in Jacksonville, right. really? And the team's so bad, you just would never know it. And it's very Pittsburgh to find that guy, right? Yeah. A la James Ferrier coming from you know New York all those years ago. So um, what I like is is they're just trying things, right? That That's my big thing. So with the offensive line, you know, James Daniels was the best offensive lineman on maybe the worst offensive line in the league last year, but you're trying something right. And he's a very talented player. He should be 
probably is the most talented offensive lineman the Steelers have right now. Mason Cole, mm-hmm. a guy that has uh, was the center for two years in Arizona. They trade for Rodney Hudson. He gets traded to Minnesota. But again, we're, they're trying something. That's my big thing. So Joe Schober didn't really have a very good year last year when they brought him in from Jacksonville. They release him. They, they end up being able to get Miles Jack. Wide receivers are, are on their way out. We'll talk about some receivers here upcoming in the draft. So my big thing is with any franchise, just try stuff, man. If something's not working yeah. out, do something right. It, it's yep. the, it's the stick figure with the stick meme. Just, just go do something out there. Uh, <laughs> and, and we'll be keeping an eye out. We'll, we'll see if our guy, Joe Hayden makes his way back to Cleveland. You wrote about that a couple weeks ago too. So um, that was yeah, he, he actually, he actually had a tease earlier this week uh-huh, where uh-huh. he put on his Instagram, his old Jersey with the uh, discussion question mark. So I don't know what's, what's going on there. Could it happen possibly? I don't know if he would get much playing time, but it would just yeah. be a nostalgia thing. It would be cool. It would be cool for sure. Um, let, let's move forward to the draft. Yeah, so good good free agency. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say where they could, they upgraded a little bit. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi for the Stefan Tuitt that did not play last year, you're happy with that. I think Miles Jack can be better than Schobert last year. I think the offensive line will be a little bit better, so that was good. Uh, and, and to your point about Trubisky, there were some dots to connect, but I was with you. I didn't ultimately think it would happen. I thought it was going to go one of two ways where either everyone fell so in love with him because of all the great stories that came out of Buffalo at the backup and he was going to get overpaid somewhere, or he wasn't going to get signed anywhere until after the draft because everyone was enamored with the quarterbacks. I was surprised Pittsburgh went and got him and got him as early as they did and for the price they did. So They'll be competing with, this will be us transitioning into the draft with Mr. Kenny Pickett, who is the team's first round pick. Um, mm-hmm. I gave this team a B plus for their draft. I, I I think I was a little like you where I was in love with George Pickens. This was a George Pickens grade. I was really yeah. excited about this guy. Um, yep. Kenny Pickett, like you said, I didn't, I again, didn't think it would happen, but it makes too much sense at 20. Go get the guy that is playing in your backyard. Uh, similar to your story about David Bell, right? We, we see every every year we get at least one Tomlin phone call from the draft that gets onto Twitter. Everyone gets really excited about it. They genuinely did not think he'd be there at 20. So they were genuinely surprised and very excited to make that pick. Um, George Pickens in the second round, I'm very excited about. That guy could be the best receiver on the team in 2023. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, again, third round, add to that rotation, add to that depth. So before Larry Ogunjobi came to town, you weren't sure what your defensive line was going to look like. Add some depth there. Calvin Austin, the third in the fourth round. Not a guy that was on my radar as a Steeler, but fourth round to, to get that guy when I saw him going in, in, you know, second round, definitely third round in a lot of mocks. So really good draft. I'm really excited about the receivers because we mentioned all those guys that left in free agency. They didn't do much with the position. Um, mm-hmm. In free agency, they got Miles Boykin kind of off the scrap heap, off waivers from Baltimore. But to attack that wide receiver position the way they did, I'm a huge fan of. Um, what did you think? Uh, you, you kind of already mentioned Pickett. You kind of just expected it. Anything else from the draft or anything about the Pickett that we didn't talk about stand out to you for, for the Steelers? Um, kind of what I was listening to and what I was hearing was the potential of you guys getting uh, Malik Willis. Because I mm-hmm. know that when Mike Tomlin went down to the uh, his pro day, he a report came out that said he said that he just made himself a lot of money. So I kind of figured that if if he was going to go somewhere, it would probably be to the Steelers. So I figured it would be either Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. 
I'm still kind of shocked that Kenny Pickett went as late as he did, just how everybody was so enamored with quarterbacks. And I, I'm just not sure who or what type of quarterback Kenny Pickett is. Is he a pocket passer? Is he an athletic run guy? Is he similar to Josh Allen? Like, I'm, I'm just kind of just want to see more, like exactly who is Kenny Pickett as the quarterback. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense for you to get the guy that's in your backyard. You guys share the same building so you can be able to talk to the coaches. All right, this is what you can do best. This is how you can get the best out of him on Sundays. And then, like I said, the Mitchell Trubisky thing, it was a nice pickup. Kind of figured that you guys were done with the quarterback position, but then other things started coming out. So we figured, okay. But overall, I, I, I think, again, it was a George Pickens draft. I think George Pickens is, is the uh, wide receiver, still wide receiver of that draft. Even though he was injured, he just did some special things. He just did some special things. It, it was one of those. He was one of the guys I was looking at later on from the second to third round, along with uh, Jamison Williams, with um, David Bell. I was kind of hearing, kind of just figured that somebody, one of those top receivers would fall out of the first round. I was kind of crossing my fingers that it would be Traylon Burks, but it wasn't. So I was kind of grouping and looking at all of those guys in the, uh, in the same way. Yeah. Higgins was another guy that, if they weren't going to go quarterback, I think would have been on the board, one of their top three guys with that first round pick. I think once we got to draft day and I even did, I did a big board on this. My, my first round big board, what was the quarterbacks? It was Dax Hill from Michigan. It was another defensive back. I've already forgotten completely expunged the draft from my brain. And, and then George Pickens uh, just makes too much sense. He, he's a perfect fit. And to get him, when, when he was slipping a little bit in the second round, I was wondering if they'd go up and get him. To just mm-hmm. wait there at 52 and get him all the way down there at, in the second round was just a thrill. And, I mean, the guy, the memes are, are already out on full force with him in, in the headgear watching the draft, right? And, and you know, you talk about Browns Twitter, Steelers Twitter. I mean, half the obbies on Steelers Twitter right now are just him in that in that head headpiece. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. Um, for Kenny Pickett, I think – Best case scenario, uh, that's realistic at least that you can actually expect, is Jimmy Garoppolo. So a little bit in what you're talking about, like with Baker, where you put a good team around him, you just hope he doesn't lose the game. He doesn't step Mm -hmm. outside of what he's good at, which Jimmy tends to do, which is what Kenny, I think, will do. 80, 90% of the game, managing the game, looking good. And then he's like, you know what? I'm feeling like a top five quarterback right now. Let me roll out and do something crazy. And that's when things go wrong. So if he avoids that, I think they'll be okay. Um, yep. So all that said, pretty standard. Like you said, Steelers, you know, not standard off season because obviously the GM retires, the quarterback retires, a lot of moves happen, but the Steelers did what you expected. They just kind of rolled with the punches, retooled. Um, what are your expectations this year? This is my first time getting to talk to an AFC North fan of a different team about it. Are AFC North fans kind of sitting there thinking, Ben retired, let's pounce. Can we make this team be a four or five win team finally? Or is, is everyone kind of, is everyone kind of where like the national fans and Steelers fans are where it's this team should be at least around 500 again. This should be a, a at worst seven win team at best, probably 10 win team. Yeah. So, so like you said, for the fans, it's been finally retired. Let's make them a four to five win team. National uh, pundits, they're saying, Oh, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. So there's no way that you can 
count them out at all. But in my opinion, and the funny thing that I look at, when you look at the AFC North last year, all preseason rankings were you got the Browns and you got the Ravens fighting for the top spot. And then everybody else can forget about the Steelers and the Bengals because they're just not they're just not ready. The Browns and the Ravens did not make the playoffs. (laughs) The Steelers and the Bengals did, and the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. So I I would just say you can't write off the Steelers just because you guys you guys are never down, and when you're uh, down, you find a way to come back. Like uh, what's I think it was a few years ago where you guys kind of started. I want to say it was 2019 where you guys what was it started like maybe 0 and three or something. And then came back, and then you ended up being 500. I, I want to say it was the uh, the Mason Rudolph year after uh, Big Ben had uh, had surgery on his elbow. So, and my my thing is you can't you can't count them out. So you always got to worry about the Steelers in the back of your mind. At least as a Browns fan, you got to worry about them always. And <laughs> yeah, it's not much. You can't count the Steelers out at all. I don't care what it looks like. You cannot count them out at all. Great memory by you, by the way. Yeah, 2019 started 0 and 3, went 8 and 8. You, you gained points with me there, and then you called it the Mason Rudolph year, and that really hurt my feelings and made my heart really, really sad. I didn't like it. Um, so I'm just going to skip right past that. We're not going to, this team should have been a 10 win team if Mason Rudolph didn't start that Lions game. Anyways, I'm going to completely move past that. I don't want to think about Mason Rudolph anymore. Let's get to the Baltimore Ravens. You talked about it on the team. Where did we leave off last year? 8 and 9 missed the playoffs. But one of the most injured teams i think in nfl history in terms of how many guys from who was listed on their roster at training camp who was on our projected uh rosters for them in training camp to who actually ended up playing week one and and then by the end in week 17 just a completely different ball club that got put together do you chalk that eight and and obviously you know we can talk about what happened with the offense how i mean lamar not his mvp season but I think in a lot of ways played what you'd expect for how the way this offense was kind of built. Um, do you chalk their record up last year to the injuries or do you think a little more is going on where there's something that, like you said, the, the pundits last year had them competing one, two for the division. Do you think there's something we're missing in terms of, is this team actually the team we thought they were a year or two ago? Or again, do you chalk it up to the injuries last year? I chalk it up to there's a little more i think there is a little more because yeah granted jk dobbins was out they had 20 players on injured reserve i think the biggest one is jk dobbins but then you can go over ravens fans will probably say oh our secondary was out Mm -hmm. your secondary starting to get up there in age and they for the last few years uh you can attribute the age to they've kind of been injury prone it was a Monday night game. The Browns and the Ravens played, and it was Marlon Humphrey and uh, what's it, the, the other corner. They both got injured, and then the wide receivers started doing much better. So I think there's a little something more going on. I think the one thing on the defensive side is that your DBs are starting to get a little up there in age. I think uh, Marlon Humphrey is a great corner, but in a league where it's more passing, I think you're going to need more than just him. And you cannot truly expect him to week in and week out, take on your best receiver and not give up anything at all. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, again, it's a passing league. And the same critiques that the Browns have, I would say the Ravens have. 
you're, you can run the ball all through the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, you have to be able to throw the ball. In the last few years, we've seen the Ravens losing the playoffs because they've become very one-dimensional and you play a team that's uh, a little bit better defensively that can stop Mark Andrews or at least limit his role and limit the impact that he has. I think you have a humongous problem. So I think, uh, not I think, I know for a fact, I, the Ravens offense needs to evolve a lot more. It really needs to evolve a lot more because a lot of what they do for me just watching, they like to run the ball to J.K. Dobbins, run it to the running backs, then you're going to get a Lamar's uh, run in there, and then at some point you're going to throw the ball deep to Mark Andrews. You just lost uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown draft night. Uh, you got Rashad Bateman, but I don't really know how much how much – he's going to bring to the table so unless they're trying to reinvent a 1950s offense I, I don't really see much from them even and, and I say I don't see much from them meaning I think they will have a good record I just don't think they're going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs I think you need to uh, get some more help around Lamar uh, allow Lamar to evolve a little bit more as far as a thrower and not just solely a runner because the uh, more he gets up there in age and the more injuries that he gets is going to be a lot tougher to come back. He missed the last, I want to say, five games last year because of an ankle injury that he suffered against the Browns in the uh, second game off of the bye week. So I think you need to evolve it, help him become more of a thrower, kind of like Michael Vick did once he came back. He was able to throw the ball more. And then secondary, you had his uh, legs that were a threat. Really good point on the offense. I think when when fans and especially at the other teams and I see Steelers fans do this, you know, I, I'm sure there are Browns fans out there that have this misconception. When we have a quarterback that is primarily a runner, or maybe they're not thought of as being a thrower of the football. You think when they do throw it, they're just dumping it off, right? Because mm -hmm. normally we equate to shorter throws as easier. No, man, Lamar can sling it. Right? And when he's dropping back yeah. and he's going to throw, like you said, I mean, he has one of the highest you know, average depth of targets, intended air yard stats, all of those are, are among the highest. Now, I think you made a great point as well about they can't keep doing that. And I think they showed us they they understand that. It is a very smart organization, unfortunately. And they I think they see that, right? Because we saw them, yeah, trade Hollywood Brown, draft two tight ends, didn't really add anything in the wide receiver room. And we'll talk about those moves here in a sec. But I think we're going to see a different team where it's going to be working more in the middle of the field, working a little closer to the line of scrimmage, not necessarily Steelers levels where it's, you know, under five yards every throw, but somewhere in the five to 10 yard range, doing a little more of that, asking a little more of Lamar when it comes to actually managing game, using the whole field and, and doing everything. So let's do the in, ins and outs of the roster. Uh, gone, we have uh, inside defensive lineman Brandon Williams and wide receivers, Hollywood Brown, who, who was traded, so not free agent, uh, but Sammy Watkins, number two wide receiver last year, also gone. Uh, corners, Tavon Young and Anthony Averett. Uh, center, Bradley Bozeman. And, and offensive tackle, Alejandro Villanueva retires. Uh, in, they have safety, Marcus Williams from New Orleans. Tackle, Morgan Moses from the Jets. Uh, cornerback, Kyle Fuller from, I believe he was last with Washington or maybe in Denver. I can't keep track of him anymore. Uh, edge rusher, Stephen Means and running back Mike Davis. So how much did the Ravens, do you think, help themselves in this free agency? What do you think? We mentioned the DBs a lot. What, what can Williams and Fuller 
bring to this DB room in particular? Um, I, I think that, uh, like I said earlier, the, the DBs that they already have are starting to get up there in age. So I think they can bring in uh, new life, just fresh blood to kind of reinvigorate a great Ravens defense that they've always been for years back in the Ed Reed and Ray Lewis days. So I think they definitely helped themselves in that area, especially with Marcus Williams. Big fan of him. He is, uh, if you really follow football and you know everything, he's a name that everybody should know. And he he's a great player. He's a great defensive player. And he kind of, he he's almost seems like the glue that kind of holds things together. Even though the Ravens may not necessarily need him to be that, he's just another added piece that's to a good Ravens defense when they've always had great defenses going back even to the 2000s when they won their Super Bowl. Um, I think them adding their tackle to the line is pretty good because they re-signed their other left tackle. I'm blanking on his name. Ronnie Stanley. Mm -hmm. Ronnie Stanley, but then he tore his Achilles. Right. So I think this is the first year that after you've re-signed him, he's going to be back. And hopefully, hopefully he's still going to be what everybody thought he was because an Achilles tear, especially when you're kind of older, it's a kind of a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So I think the Ravens helped themselves a little bit. I'm not as high on their free agency moves as I would say, like say the Steelers or the Bengals or even the Browns. I think it was kind of middle of the road. They did some things that's going to help them. And without for a fact, they're still going to be a pretty good team and they're going to be a uh, hard team to play week in and week out. Yeah. Another one of those teams that just like always finds a way, but yeah, I think, Based yep. on, despite the injuries, it was a disappointing year last year. You would have liked a little more to be addressed, especially on the offensive end. And half of the DBs that they brought in, right? We talked about Marcus Williams, who is a good player from New Orleans. He was kind of one of the big prizes at the safety position, even though he's not necessarily one of the top guys in the league. Um, mm-hmm. But Kyle Fuller, also an older defensive back. So we're, we're seeing this if we want to talk basketball yeah. a little bit, right? The Lakers just keep trying to recycle 30 to 35 year olds and, and that's not working out for them. So I'm worried a yep. little bit about is Kyle Fuller really going to help them that much? Cause we saw him in Denver last year, get, get benched for younger guys. Basically he ended yep. up losing the starting job. So we'll see how that goes for him. And, and yeah, I think he just wanted a little bit more to come in um, considering they're probably going to do a lot of new things here. Yeah. And even on the wide receiver and it's, Kind of, I, I kind of expected them to bring in some more. Might have been this was a great wide receiver draft for them to try to pick somebody. And when they didn't pick like a bigger name, it was kind of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you're doing here. But I, I don't think you're gonna win a Super Bowl just solely running the ball 25, 40 times a game, even if it is Lamar and he's the most dynamic uh, player and quarterback that the NFL has. What an excellent segue by you, professional podcasting right here uh, at its finest, folks. Uh, you're, you're getting a treat today. Um, let's talk about the Ravens draft. And I think we still have some, I think we had some questions early on in the draft about what they were doing. Because, yeah, like you said, you thought they were, would end up taking a receiver early. It just felt very natural, right? Especially once they, I thought that before the Hollywood Brown trade, then they trade him and it's like, Oh, okay, smart. They're just going to take one in the you know second round here, late in the first round, whatever. Similar to what Tennessee did with with your guy with Traylon Burks, and then it just kept going and going and going, and they weren't taking one. 
But then whether you agree with it or not, their idea became very clear with what they were doing by, by taking a couple tight ends late. But let's look at the draft as a whole. I mean, I just like everybody, they're the, one of the draft darlings. I had them as one of my big winners. I gave them an A minus, but there are some questions that I have late just to be kind of nitpicky. Um, first, I was so excited, and I'm sure you were too. Everybody was mocking Jordan Davis going to Baltimore at 14. And I was just like, oh, great. It's going to be Haloti Nada all over again. I'm going to have to deal with this guy in the middle of defensive lines. Philly trades up, takes him. And I'm just like overjoyed. Yep. I'm so excited. I have five minutes of pure bliss. And then the Ravens take Kyle Hamilton. And I just say everything <laughs> is just shut back down again. Um, so they get the best safety in the league, one of the best or in the league, sorry, in the draft, one of the best defensive players in the draft. Um, they make the Hollywood Brown trade, which I'm in favor of, you know, wide receivers, if they're not top five, top 10, when, when it comes time to big extension money, you know, it's kind of a question mark. We're, we're seeing that in the AFC North with Deontay Johnson here now. What's he going to get this summer? They trade mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown. They know they want to go in a different direction anyways. Then they even trade back a couple spots, get Tyler Linderbaum. We talked earlier, can these smaller, more athletic centers hang in the AFC North? We'll see. But Bradley Bozeman left in free agency. They clearly needed a center. They got the best one in the draft. So that's that's a win. David Ojabo in the second round was going to be a top 15 pick, has the Achilles injury. He falls to the second round. Sure, he's probably not going to play this year, but when that guy gets back on the field and you think being an athletic freak, he will, he's going to be a stud. Travis Jones filling that defensive line. We talked about Brandon Williams leaving. That's good. Daniel Faalele in the fourth round, a guy I thought would be a day two pick. I really liked he's going to be, I think, pretty good. I think now T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett, can run right around them and, and they'll be fine. But in terms of your run of the mill starting tackle, I think he can mm-hmm. be that in a, in a year or two. Those first five picks, A plus home run, I think best first five picks in, in the entire draft are an 18. And then I have some, some questions. Uh, you know, Jalen Armour Davis, fine. They go Charlie Kolar in the fourth round as well. You know, okay, all right, kind of figuring it out jump ahead to, to later in the fourth round as well, Isaiah Likely. So two tight ends in the fourth round, a little weird, but we understand the direction they're going, whether it works or not, mm-hmm. or whether we agree, we'll see. But again, you can see the direction, what they're thinking. Okay, we're going to go tight end. We're going to go middle of the field. It worked pretty well in Cleveland last year using all three tight ends. So Baltimore's probably thinking about doing the same thing. Um, but then, you know, they lose some point, you know, they go with a punter in the fourth round, the first team to pick a punter. I'm going to make fun of you about that. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. I forgot to make fun of Cleveland for taking a place kicker in, in the middle of the draft too. <laughs> I, I forgot. It slipped my mind. Um, now, listen, you can, you can shut me up with that pick once the season starts and the guy is one of the top specialists in the league. Uh, yeah. Until that happens, I'm going to say, just go get a guy in training camp. Go get a guy in the yeah. seventh round. Go get the, the mid-major kid who, who has a pretty good leg and just see what happens. But when, when the kid becomes Evan McPherson or, you know, I can't name who the last like standout rookie punter was, but when they become that, then you look like a genius. So we'll see. Um, they take another running back in the sixth round. It, I don't, I don't love that. So, so they lost some points there on the back end for me, but those are really nitpicky things, especially because they ended up taking what, like 12 to 200 draft picks. I don't know. It's a lot. I can't count that high. <laughs> What, what did you what did you think of their draft? Did you have the same feeling as me when it came to the Jordan Davis, Kyle Hamilton thing? They're at 13 and 14. Um, 
And, and then for you and the, the direction they went in, in terms of tight ends versus receivers, what did you think about that? Um, so, yeah, I was kind of worried. I also thought Jordan Davis might have been in the first first five, so I didn't kind of really put that all together, but I was definitely worried when they drafted Kyle Hamilton. It's like, great, here's Ed Reed, Ed Reed oh coming and everything. He fits them all too well. But as far as defense, I think the Ravens do a great job just retooling and building on their defense. Um and, and again, I think their defense is going to be great. Now on the offensive side, again, I don't know that they, I don't know that they've helped themselves. I know they added the three tight ends. I've seen it first person, first hand with the Browns. It's great. Once you have three athletic uh, tight ends that can all move around, that to me kind of signals that you probably won't be throwing the ball downfield a lot. Um, I know. Uh, again, if you're going to run this 1950s style kind of offense, let's just kind of run it down your throat. It's effective in a regular season, not very effective in uh, when you get to the playoffs. And also know that Mark Andrews is kind of a workhorse. So it, it kind of means that if you're going to be playing your other two at the same time as Mark Andrews, I think you're going to slow the game down a lot. You're going to play a lot of uh, ground and pound. And I think that's that works in their favor. You have a top 10, top five defense, and then you turn around and you just run the ball and wear out the other team's uh, defense and you kind of play old school, you play old school football and you never know. Because if that can work and you can play Kansas City and keep Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. off the field, and then that may be able to uh, work out in your favor. But I like to draft as far as the defensive uh, side of the ball goes, as far as the offensive side of the ball, there's things left to be desired. I just want to see them get a receiver. I was kind of uh, hoping not – I was hoping for the standpoint of watching the game, not from the standpoint of a Browns fan, that they were bringing in somebody like uh, Antonio Brown to pair with his cousin, Hollywood Brown. <laughs> so I was kind of hoping for that type of offensive explosion because if if you give him – I think if you give Lamar the type of receiver that can – that's speedy, that can run deep – I think he would be a great offense. I, I know from uh, from you saying it for years, that's a lot what Big Ben did. He was able to throw the ball deep to to receivers, and you get 25-yard gains, and you score a lot of points and score touchdowns. I um, I think I'm thinking back to the game where the Ravens played the Vikings, and they came back in the second half and won. And it, they kind of did a little bit of everything but you still had Hollywood. And now I'm just kind of focusing on the wide receiver room because I thought that our receiver room was kind of bare um, going into the, uh, going into free agency and then looking at the Ravens. It's, it's, it's really bare. Like I know that they probably have some guys that they like. And again, they're a smart organization. They're analytics driven. So it, 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 I can't wait to see who it is that they're going to groom and who's going to step up and be that next big thing? Because I know that they have somebody on the roster that they think can be that. Yeah. And you mentioned him earlier. It's probably Rashad Bateman. It's probably the guy they're thinking about. Um, I, and then I think, you know, Devin Duvernay is a guy. I think it's going to be his third year in the league now out of Texas. I think that's a guy that could step up. I think fans and, and maybe just fantasy football fans really like James Prochet. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see what that room does. I hopped on over the cap real quick just to see what wide receivers are still out there. And and the way you set you set it up perfectly. They're in, 
I'm just ready for this to happen as a Steeler fan. I'm sure you are as a Brown fan. They're going to be three games over 500 around the trade deadline. And they're just going to do it all with a running game, all with a running game. Hit your tight end a little bit here and there. And then mm-hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be healthy. Yeah. They're going to pick that man up for, for a playoff run. And it's uh, yeah. going to be a bummer. I'm going to be real upset I was, about it. I, I was literally shaking in my boots thinking about Jarvis Landry going uh, to the Ravens because uh-huh. that just makes too much sense. Reminds yep. me of how uh, Heinz Ward was for you guys. Mm-hmm. Kind of when Steve Smith came over to the Ravens, mm-hmm. kind of how uh, Anquan Bowden. So Jarvis Landry kind of fit that mode of receiver. So, but yeah, it's going to be somebody like an OBJ or even um, Julio Jones. And they mm-hmm. may, be able to, may be able to get the last little bit out of Julio Jones before he retires. Yeah, wait till after the trade deadline. Wait till wait till 2023. Wait till January. Yeah. And then I yep. ask him to just play eight games, right? That's what you want to yep. do with Julio. Last bit of the yep. draft for, for the Ravens. What do you and, – and you set yourself up for this. You talked offensive lineman with me for a good bit, so I'm going to do it. Tyler Linderbaum, what do you think – I mean, this is a guy that everyone's touting as the best center prospect, you know, in 10 years or so is what they're saying. And I watch him, and I, I see what they're talking about. The athleticism is great. And if he went to a team like the Vikings or uh, another team that does these zone blocking schemes, I would say that guy's going to be a menace. He's going to be great. He goes to the AFC North. How do you think he's going to do? Do you think he's going to kind of day one, similar to Creed Humphrey last year in Kansas City, day one, oh, that guy's going to be a Pro Bowl center. Do you think he's going to have that, or do you think he's going to have to take his lumps a little bit playing you know, with, with guys like uh, Cam Hayward over him? Miles Garrett flips inside, he's over him, stuff like that. How do you think he's going to be? I think he's going to have to take his lumps. It's going to, it's going to get ugly uh, the first half of the season. Going against Cam Hayward, going against Miles Garrett, going against uh, the defensive line uh, in practice every day against the Ravens. He, he's yeah. going to definitely have to take his lumps. But I see the way in which the offensive game is going in the NFL. So it mm-hmm. makes sense to get a more athletic guy than that old big yeah. mule, a mauler guy who can't really move. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense if, again, I'm going to keep going back and pound home the wide receiver thing. It makes more sense if you have receivers you want to throw the ball 35, 40 times and you have somebody to help you block and you're doing a lot of pass blocking. It doesn't make sense for you to have that guy if you're going to be uh, ground and pound mm-hmm. uh, 20, 25 times a game, doesn't make that much sense unless they have some pretty great um, blocking schemes that they're going to pull in Cincinnati to really help them. Just And that's just coming from a fan firsthand experience from watching Nick Harris do it. Mm-hmm. And his rookie year, he had to take his lumps. He mm-hmm. literally, he got beat up. He got beat up yep. pretty bad. And now we're heading into year three where he has got his body to fit the uh, type of what you need in the NFL and to play in the AFC North. So hopefully year two, year three, year four, we're talking about the turnaround, but I think things are going to be a little rough. Now, not to say that he won't be able to do it because if, if they're calling for you to be the best center, I think there's something there. I think you just have to uh, get in that place where you develop and cultivate it a little bit. I agree. I think you're right there. So what are your expectations then? You know, what we, we see that they're going to change their offense a little bit. We're still worried about the receivers, still worried about their DBs. Where do you think this team is at? Have they done enough to help themselves out? Is just being healthy going to get them an extra couple wins this season? What do you think is going to happen with the Ravens? 
I think the fact that they have a fourth place schedule is what's going to help them out because they had, yeah. uh, what was it, last year they had first place schedule and they still squeaked out or second place schedule and they still squeaked out a lot of wins. So definitely going up against other NFL teams that are fourth place and we know there are some pretty bad ones. And if you can beat up on them doing exactly how they do it, I think that's going to help them. But also, yeah, the health. The health, they can probably, with being all healthy, squeak out another two to three wins. So I think the fourth place schedule, I'll give them about six wins just based off of schedule placement. Then I give you another three to four based off of your uh, guys coming back healthy. And again, John Harbaugh is one of those coaches. He finds a way. Just like Mike Tomlin, they find a way to get wins. And again, if they can sneak into the playoffs, they can be a tough offer for anybody. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think we'll, we'll see them right back in it, just like they, they always are. And as long as everybody can stay healthy. Uh, let's move on here. This this last team, the Bengals, um, where did we leave off last year? Well, it hasn't been that long for, for the Bengals. They were in the Super Bowl. 10 and seven on the regular season. And, and I think some people forget that they had a couple close calls early in the playoffs there. And even those 10 wins, they weren't the most dominating, but it, I don't want to take anything away. Still a good team, uh, an amazing turnaround from where they were two seasons ago, last season. Um, do you think, and, and even the Super Bowl was close 20 to 23, really impressive all the way around for them. Was their success last season, a surprise to you? Did it feel just maybe a little early or were you expecting it kind of from the beginning? I think it was a surprise, but mm -hmm. the writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it was a surprise, but the writing was on the wall. And that comes from um, going back to last season, Joe Burrows, or excuse me, Joe Shiesty, his, um, <laughs> his rookie year. And, mm -hmm. I remember him watch, watching him and they played the Browns week two of the season. And he threw the ball 61 times. And I'm like, that is a lot of throwing for a rookie quarterback in only his second NFL start. That's a lot of throwing. But he was able to handle it and manage it well. And in that game, it wasn't really – the score shows that it was closer than what it really was. But it was probably like a – two-score game, they came down, scored, got a two-point conversion in pretty much garbage time. But just watching him play, it was, I'm like, okay, he, he's going to be pretty nice. So based off of believing in Joe Burrow, and then you turn around, uh, like Joe Mixon has always been a tough runner, it was just that offensive line is terrible. Offensive line is terrible, and then you added Jamar Chase, who I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he would have the type of rookie season that he had. So based off of the drafting, which we all know the Ravens know how to do, it just kind of all came together at the right time. And the writing really was on the wall with one of the best young quarterbacks. You follow up next season, quarterback tears his ACL, kind of get injured. Then you add in um, this pretty dynamic receiver, pretty dynamic. He was I, I from Brown's Twitter looking at it. They said Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is everything Baker and OBJ was supposed to be because yep. they were just dynamic. And then you look at the other side of the ball, look at the defense, how they kind of uh, added some pieces. Trey Hendrickson, they added Larry Joby, again, great pass rusher. Um, they added Mike Hilton. They have uh, Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates the third, who I'm a fan of. So they kind of put it together. 
I wouldn't say that their defense is elite. I think their defense can hold their own, and they pretty much just got the great production out of the offense that they had. Now, is it sustainable? Can Jamar Chase uh, repeat the type of rookie season that he had, which we'll, we'll wait to see? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm with you. I think just it, everything was a little earlier than I expected, but I think that's part of part of sports, part of professional sports leagues, like striking while the iron is hot and seeing in their own division. Ben's on his way out. Um, Baker Mayfield's hurt. The entire Ravens team is hurt. We have to do this now, and they took advantage, and that's what good teams do. But I'm with you. I think there could be a, a slight chance of progression, especially as these other teams are maybe a little bit better than they were last year. So Let's hit a couple of those, you know, you, you did a great job alluding to the moves that led them to a good season last year. Let's take the moves that, that happened this offseason. It's not a lot quantity-wise, but it's going to be end up being really important. So gone from last year's team is the right side of the offensive line. Uh, Riley Rife, uh, Arif, Quentin Spain, and Trey Hopkins. Um, defensive lineman Larry Ogunjobi, as you mentioned, and tight end uh, CJ Uzoma are all gone. They brought in Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins to fill in center to right tackle. Uh, tight end Hayden Hurst is going to kind of take some tight end snaps there uh, after Uzoma. Free agency this year was all about the offensive line, obviously. That, that was the big sticking, biggest sticking point for the Bengals. I think the defensive backs, the corners specifically, um, probably could still use a little help. But offensive line was by far the most important thing. And they really attacked that really well. Um, how well do you think they did, considering that was the number one priority, bringing Karis, Kappa, and Collins? How much better is this team as a whole going to be because of the improvement to the offensive line? I think just based off of them going to the Super Bowl, even though they lost, I think they are the team to beat in the AFC North just by adding these uh, pieces to the offensive line. Uh, the game against Tennessee, they still gave up nine sacks. Gave up nine sacks and still won the game. So imagine if you just upgrade a tiny bit over that offensive line, it could be pretty scary. So I think, yeah, I think they are the team to beat. Uh, now, can they replicate it is the question because there were some games last year, they they beat the Ravens, but then they lost two games. Then they would win a couple of games, have impressive wins, then they would lose a couple of games. So it's kind of up and down, but they just kind of got hot at the right time for the playoffs. And that that was really all she wrote. So if they can be consistent and if they can, can uh, do it again this year. And the, the thing that I'm thinking about now is it's kind of crazy because it went from Zach Taylor being on the hot seat to him getting a contract extension. Because yep. if that mm -hmm. season had have gone away that everybody thought it was going to, Zach Taylor was going to be out of a job. Yeah, yeah, it can turn around real quick, real real quick. And yeah, regression or the next step. That this is where we see teams that make this kind of leap. Okay, are they going to going to continue and, and really solidify themselves at the top of the division, or are we going to see that regression a little bit more towards the mean, more towards the team you actually are, where you're maybe more of a 500 team trying to sneak into the playoffs. I, I think we'll see, but the offensive line was definitely a great step in saying, okay, let's not go backwards. Let's continue to help Joe Burrow get better. He has the skill guys around him. He's a stud. What's the next thing for him? Offensive line. We saw a team like the Buffalo Bills do that when they rebuilt their team, 
They didn't do everything all at once. They didn't do a receiver here and offensive lineman there. They said this offseason, skill guys. This offseason, uh, offensive line. This season, replenish the defense that was already good, but it's been a couple years. I think we're going to see Cincinnati do something similar. So let's get into the draft now where, again, not a lot. They only had six picks. So I gave them about a B, B plus maybe if you want to be really, really nice um, in terms of their draft. But they hit that second biggest need. I talked about offensive line. They did that in free agency. The defensive backs, they didn't lose a lot of starters or anything, but just needed some more talent. A little like Baltimore, just needed some youth, some infusion of talent brought in from young guys. And they definitely did that. Dax Hill was their first pick. Guy, I really like a, a safety corner hybrid, probably going to be a nickel corner for them, play in the box some as well, play some deep safety as well, um, could even play some outside corner, so a chess piece they're going to move around. Cam Taylor-Britt in the second round, get him late, that's a good pick too, with, with the talent that they needed, and also your guy Jesse Bates trying to get a long-term deal worked out while he's on his, forget if it's the fifth-year option or franchise tag he's on right now, but they bring in talent and they address that with mm-hmm. some with some early investment. I thought that was really good. They had Zachary Carter, a defensive lineman I like from Florida. Um, Cordell Volson, an offensive lineman from North Dakota State that I like. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a starter for them at some point, even though they got him in the fourth round. And, and then, you know, Jeffrey Gunter, uh, get him all the way in the seventh round as a guy I like day three as well. Good picks, important positions, defensive backs, you know, offensive linemen pass rusher what did you what did you think of their draft despite the limited capital but but they hit the defensive backs they continue adding offensive line a little bit um how did how do you feel they attacked the draft and then the way they went draft and free agency hand in hand with with offensive line and defensive backs um starting with the draft i think it was again like we said for every other AFC north team i think it was a draft for depth i think it was kind of you know, under the radar, they definitely helped themselves get better with drafting uh, some linemen, adding some more DBs. Um, and just a quick thought, the I think kind of like how NBA is becoming positionless. Mm-hmm. I think the NFL is going more towards a little bit yep. of positionless between your linebackers, your safeties, and even some defensive end that can play some linebacker. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that kind of follows the trend of the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens. They got these guys that could be able to play all over the field, like hybrid DBs, hybrid linebackers, hybrid uh, edge rushers. So I think they definitely helped themselves in the draft. Um, again, a boring draft, but this is what happens when you have good teams. Good teams are not solely focused on trying to find the next hot thing, but it's who's going to fit into the system, who's going to fit with what it is that we're trying to do. And even if they don't necessarily fit, we could bring them in and then we could train them. We can teach them the way we can show them. We can kind of mold them to be who it is that we want them to be type of uh, thing. So then in a free agency, I think last year for the Bengals was their big splashy free agency. You know, you go out, you get the shiny stuff, you get this, you get the DN, the big contract to uh, Trey Hendrickson, you get that type of thing. And then this year is where, all right, now you got the shiny toy, you got the nice little thing. Now let's get into the nitty gritty and let's get under the hood let's add the power stuff to it. So like with the offensive lineman, they added that. You already have your quarterback. You got the receiver. You have the running back. You Your defense is, your defense is good enough. Your defense is good enough. It's about top, I would say, top uh, 15 or 20. Uh, it, all it takes is maybe you get one, one turnover and 
you can you can win a game that you probably wasn't supposed to. So I think their defense is above average, is competent, and the offensive linemen. I think this year was solely about the offensive line. And if you look back at each of these teams, I think it was about a certain position group. So for the Ravens, I would say it's about the it was about the tight ends. For the Steelers, I would say it's probably about um, the wide receiver room a little bit, kind of adding some more yep. talent for the Browns. It was definitely about the defensive line and trying to figure out the quarterback position for uh, the for the Bengals to be able to repeat and be sustainable. I think that's one of the things you need. You need offensive linemen. And then on top of that, you sign them, and then you draft a more offensive lineman because, again, you can always draft offensive linemen like it's going out of style. Oh, man, I love that. It makes me so happy to hear you say that, man. I love it. Um, yeah, I think you hit it, really. It feels like every team here in the AFC North just had a smart – well put together off season. Obviously, the the biggest splash is the Deshaun Watson trade. Um, but but draft wise, free agency wise, everyone just kind of did the right things around the periphery of team building that you like to see. Um, not if you're a fan of one of the teams and you don't want the other three to do it. But in terms of being mm-hmm. an NFL fan in general, kind of like you said earlier, like just being a fan and being someone that likes to look at this stuff and see it everyone's at least making moves that you can follow and understand now, will they all work out? No. Do we necessarily agree with each of them? No, but you can see the the seeds of smart team building, which I really enjoy with all that for the Bengals. You know, we've said it could go either way. Could have some regression. They could get a little bit better with all that building the offensive line, getting some new DBs in another year of Joe Burrow getting better what's your official expectation as of right now here at the end of June for the Bengals this season? As of right now, I think the Bengals just out of respect, they're the team to beat. Yep. Just out of the respect, the fact that they went to the Super Bowl, they lost, they are truly the team to beat. They won about 10 games last year. I would say they could probably win 11, 12. Mm -hmm. I would give them 11, 12 games. I don't think we will see that much of a Super Bowl hangover just because in the AFC, you got to bring your A game every single week going up against some of these quarterbacks. So I think, in my opinion, and I'm sure you may agree, I think the AFC North is the best division in football. Forget about the AFC West. I understand. I completely understand. You know, we still got to figure out a, a few things as far as the quarterback situation with the Steelers. But I think once you get that solidified, I think this will be the best division in football and it's going to be quite entertaining i've always loved even back when the Steelers and the ravens rivalries uh just because and then you kind of sprinkled in these uh, Bengals a little bit so now seeing the browns do what it is that they do now you can sprinkle the browns in and it could be a real thing so i think each week these teams play it's going to be a dog fight but i think the Bengals are the leaders just out of respect and I can see them winning anywhere from 10 to 12 games. I'm with you. Yeah, the AFC North, I think, within the division especially, right, the AFC West ball, I think, probably is the most talented division in the league. I I still think the Chiefs are going to be the best team. I think they're still going to be the number one team in yeah. that division. I think the Chargers are going to very clearly be the number two team, and I think you'll have the Raiders and Broncos kind of balance the three and four, whereas here in the AFC North, you could tell me any of the combinations one through four and it would not surprise me. Right. Mm-hmm. The Steelers could finish one, two, three, four Bengals, one, two, three Browns, one, two, three, anything. And it wouldn't surprise me, but what's probably going to be the case is it's going to be 
seven, eight wins for the fourth place team, eight to nine wins third place, nine, ten yep. wins for the second place, ten, eleven, yep. twelve wins for the first. They're just gonna beat the mess yep. out of each other every single week, and it's gonna it's gonna be fun to see. So it was really fun doing this off season uh, review with you. Tell everybody here. The, the thousands of people that listen to this podcast tell, tell everybody where they can find you where they can see you interact with brown's twitter where they can read your stuff uh you can find me on twitter and instagram at uh seven mark allen m-a-r-q-a-l-a-l-l-e-n on uh instagram and twitter and join us join some brown's twitter uh this upcoming sundays and we can talk football i promise they'll be nice sometimes <laughs> and Steeler fans don't just join Brown's Twitter to troll anybody same thing for the rest of the AFC North I hate some right. of that we, we get some of that in, in like the Steelers Twitter Steelers Facebook groups people will just join just to like troll and it's like come on man just like I don't I don't want to do that right I'm already miserable yeah. myself I don't need you to help um, no, absolutely Marquis. I appreciate you man thank you so much for being here thank you everybody for listening this has been another episode of the Simon Short podcast we're going to continue doing these off-season reviews We'll get into some other things here as we get later in the summer. Uh, Everybody be safe and have fun. Thank you.